Welcome to Soaring the Sky, Glider Pilots Podcast. Hello, my name is Chuck. I will be your host, coming to you from the Mid-Atlantic region here in the United States and flying with the Cumberland Soaring Group. This is episode 44. This episode is brought to you by Arizona Soaring Incorporated, the nation's largest provider of professional glider training. Since 1969, they provided training from initial private through CFI Glider and entry level through advanced aerobatics. Open year-round, seven days a week. More information is available at azsoaring.com. On today's podcast, we talk with the founder and owner of Cumulus Soaring, Paul Remdy. Paul started flying gliders in 1990 and learned how to fly from one of the best, Bob Wander. Today he joins us to share his aviation adventures, like soaring over the shores of Hawaii and flying a Nimbus 4DM in Australia. Our guest holds all the FAI badge legs for bronze, silver, gold, and diamond, with the exception of the altitude gain badge. He has flown in many soaring contests, coming in 2nd place in a Region 7 contest and 11th place in a Sports Nationals contest in Nephi, Utah. Paul has been a competition director and contest manager in other events as well. Join us to hear his aviation journey now on Soaring the Sky. Paul Remdy, welcome to Soaring the Sky. Glad to have you tonight. How are you? I'm oh, Very good. Thanks for, for having me tonight. I, I've been uh, looking forward to talking with you. Yes, thank you. So you are soaring out of what club? I fly with the Minnesota Soaring Club, which is at a small airport called Stanton Airport in, in south-central Minnesota. Very nice. So when did everything get started for you? When did your love of aviation get going? That's a good question. I started, I guess I got into, I've always been interested in aviation when I was a kid. I built a lot of model airplanes and had a remote control sailplane that I built when I was in my teens. And then after college, I had a soaring calendar that someone had brought into work that was on my wall in, in my office. And I thought, you know, now would be a good time to get into that. So I it was about 22, it was 1990, maybe 25, it was 1990, and uh, went to a glider ground school that Bob Wander was running here in Minnesota and um, eventually joined the Red Wing Soaring Club for a while and then eventually moved over to the Minnesota Soaring Club. And uh, I just, I, I love flying, I, but I especially love soaring. I've done a little bit of flying in single engine planes, but didn't have the uh, attraction to me that flying in a sailplane does, the challenge of soaring and going long distances and trying to fly fast and just the the beauty and the the technology and the technique is a lot of fun what did you start out flying in sailplanes uh let's see my first instructional plane was a schweitzer 233 that bob wander was using and then in the red wing soaring club blanick l13 and then blanick l33 and then when i got solo i i flew the red wing soaring club's Pilatus B4, which was a fun little single-seat aerobatic sailplane, and then eventually bought a share of a Schweitzer 135C glider and did a lot of my badge flying in that glider. My best flight in that one was about a 520-kilometer flight from Minnesota to south of Chicago to the Chicago Glider Club. That was a, an amazing flight. For me, it was just a blast. It was a very easy flight because it was a high day with a strong tailwind, and then after that, I bought a share in a Ventus B sailplane, and then in the last 10 or 15 years, I've been flying with two partners in a DG-1000 two-seat sailplane. And, and boy, I, I 
highly recommend flying in a two-seat glider. Uh, cross-country flying in, with a two-seater is, is so much fun. Sharing the the challenge and the excitement of it and the fun of it and the um, it just a very much makes it a fun learning experience and, and a fun way to share soaring with other people. Now, what have you flown? I know you've flown some contests. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed flying for badges and state records. Um, none of my state records are all that impressive, but it was, it's always fun to set a goal and try and fly around a task faster than anyone's done before, or at least or documented before. So that's fun. I've flown in a lot of soaring contests. I, I would I consider myself kind of a mediocre contest pilot. I enjoy contest flying, but I don't do enough of it to be as good at, you know, and I don't have the skill level that a lot of the national level pilots have. But uh, I've flown in a lot of national contests, especially in recent years. One of the partners in the glider that I fly is a gentleman named Dick Andrews, and he and I are very close friends, and we really enjoy flying together. So we've taken the DG-1000 out to Nephi, Utah a number of times, Parowan, Utah. Uh, we've flown it at contests in Minnesota here, and Albert Lee, Minnesota, there have been some soaring contests, and it's just been a uh, a real treat flying with him. A lot of fun. I think the best I've done in a national contest last year, yeah, last year in 2018, we flew in the sport class nationals in Nephi, Utah, and ended up 11th out of about 40 contestants. And I was pretty happy with that. I was kind of shooting to be in the top 10 and 11th was pretty, pretty darn close. But I just really enjoy the being in a soaring contest is fun because every day you're challenged to go further than you think you could possibly go. And of course, flying out of Nephi, Utah, it's such dramatic mountainous terrain that it's it's very rewarding and challenging and exhilarating. Um, and yet most of the time you're high enough to where you can make it to an airport almost the entire day. I, did, I don't think flying out of Utah, there were very few times when I didn't have an airport within range. So I mean, when you're flying at 15,000 to 18,000 feet, it's it's a lot of fun. So how was the transition flying in Minnesota and then flying in Nephi? I mean, that had to have been pretty wild. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, most of my flying is in Minnesota, which is thermal flying. We don't get any wave. We don't get any ridge flying in Minnesota. It's a very flat state. We have rolling hills, but no no ridges or mountains or anything like that. So um, yeah, most of my experience is in flying in thermals and trying to go cross country just by circling and cruising. Uh, flying out west, in, I was fortunate to have experience out there with experienced pilots. Um, I guess my first time flying in the mountains was out of Minden, Nevada, and rented gliders at Minden, Soar Minden, probably about 15 years ago, um, with Tony Sabino there and his his team. Enjoyed that a lot. And I was fortunate when I, while I was there, um, a gentleman named Carl Harold was there. He owned a Nimbus 3DM, and he took me up in that, and we did some wave flying. That's the first time I ever, I think the only time I've done any real wave flying was out there in Minden with him. That was a blast. But then most of the most of my experience in the mountains was with Dick Andrews flying our DG1000 out in Parowan, Utah, in about 2010 in the Sport Class Nationals contest out there. I, that was the first time I really got down into the ridges and felt the exhilaration of, of finding lift off the ridges. And um, I guess one very memorable flight was a flight where we headed up a, maybe 100 miles north of Parowan, and the lift just seemed to die. The thermals went away, and it was about five o'clock or so, and uh, we got down onto the ridges and there was enough wind to sustain, just barely sustain ridge flying. So, but we were able to kind of fight our way back and make it all the way back down to Parowan, Utah. And it was a real feeling of accomplishment. We landed about, 
after seven o'clock in the evening and everybody else had been back for a long time. So we, <laughs> they were, they were all happy to see us make it back and, you know, know that they didn't have to come and retrieve us anywhere, but it was a, it was a really ex- exhilarating, challenging flight. And it was, uh, we were really laughing and giggling when we got out of the glider that day. It was fun. Yeah. I'm sure coming in that late, they were pretty sure they had to come and get you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned the wave flying. What was it like for you to be in wave for the first time? I mean, a lot of people I've talked to, they just said it was real smooth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what was your you know, experience? Yeah, I, you know, to be honest, unfortunately, the the um, when in flying with Carl Harold and his his big open class glider, I didn't have much experience in the in that big of a glider. So he did most of the flying, and he he wasn't at the time too willing to share the stick. He was having too much fun himself, I think. So. I didn't get the challenge of finding the lift, although it was pretty obvious that day where the lift was and it didn't go very high, but that's something I I would enjoy doing more in the future. I'd have to say going to extreme altitudes in a glider is not something I I have a real passion for. I've got most of my badge legs done for silver badge, gold badge, uh, diamond badges, but I don't have the altitude badges, the altitude gain badges. And that's something that just, to me, there's, there's risks with going to high altitude that don't make it worth it to me. Um, I, I can see the excitement of going cross country like Jim Payne has done flying in wave flights out on the western U.S. Now, that's that would be very exciting. But going above 20,000 feet has no appeal to me, really. You've actually done some flying in Australia. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that was um, yeah, I was at the time it was about 1996, I think. And I was currently a part owner in the Schweitzer 135C, which is a pretty light and nimble little single seat airplane. And um, I was going to be in Australia on a business trip. And my wonderful wife, wife Renee and I, had, she had just got, gotten pregnant. So she came along with me on this business trip, which was kind of fun. Um, I didn't want to leave her all home all alone when she was. we just found out that she was pregnant. So that was kind of a fun adventure of a business trip. But I had one day available on my trip to go soaring. So I thought, well, I'll you know, shoot the works. I'll, I booked time at, um, at the time there was a place called Sportavia, which was at uh, Tokomol Glider Port in uh, on the border between New South Wales and oh, Victoria, I think I forget the. Uh, it's been a while since I was there, but the uh, but it was a wonderful place to soar, flatland soaring, but very high high days. And I so I booked the best glider they had, which was a Nimbus 4DM, and the best instructor in the world probably, Ingo Renner, was available. So I booked the day with him, and boy, was that a fun day. Um, but it was a very memorable flight because I'd never flown anything like the Nimbus 40M. It, you know, the long wings and the inertia. Trying to center that glider in a thermal was it was not an easy thing. So it was kind of funny. We, in the end, we had a wonderful day, and I did m- almost all the flying, and we went 400 kilometers. And I learned so much from Ingo. Was a gentleman, really fun to fly with, and and uh, you know he knew I was relatively new to cross country flying, and was teaching me everything he could in the in the four or five hours we flew. But it was funny towards the beginning of the flight, being you know that I was not used to the long wings and the inertia of those long wings, I was having a very difficult time getting used to entering a thermal. And uh, the funny, the funny slash embarrassing thing was is that I was diving into a thermal, one of the first thermals, and I, I the wings were like, for example, the right wing went way forward and then way back, and I was using the rudder at a it just had so much inertia. It was a very different th- experience. And I got so sideways when trying to center the thermal that the gear door swung open. 
the landing gear door that had been closed. The gear was up. And uh, Ingo says, ah, interesting, using the, the landing gear door for your indication. <laughs> and I, uh, I was so embarrassed. You know, I kind of slunk down in the front seat of the glider. And, uh, you know, but he was nice about it. He wasn't being mean or anything. He was just giving me a hard time. And I thought it was, but I, you know, felt like an idiot at the time. But, but other than that, it was, after that, I got better over time and really enjoyed flying the big glider and, you know, leaving a thermal at 8,000 feet and getting to the next cloud at 7,500 feet, it was a really fun experience doing cross country in a, in a uh, open class ship like that. A lot of fun. Oh, it sounds pretty amazing. And flying in Australia must have been super cool. Yeah. You did some flying in Hawaii too. Uh, you did some aerobatic stuff. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a really fortunate uh, turn of events. I was traveling to Hawaii with my family. Actually, my daughter, Sarah, it was in high school and her high school band was going to Hawaii to do a you know a band trip to Hawaii and so my family we decided to to book a flight out there and and we rented a house with my brother's family and stayed um, near Waikiki um, about a week before heading out there I was talking to a customer and he said you know, I'm and he said he lived in Hawaii and he was buying a Navitor OD from me or something um, he was a really neat guy just a really friendly guy named his name is James Alagio and. He said, boy, if you're ever in Hawaii, you should look me up. You know, I, I, I do a lot of aerobatic flying out here. And I said, you know, actually, I'm going to be out in Hawaii next week. Is there any chance we could fly together? I would love to do that. I would, you know, and he said, yeah, let's do it. So I called him when I got out there and he said, yep, meet me at the airport on this day. And and uh, we went up. Uh, he had access to a Fox two-seat aerobatic glider. And and he was a very accomplished aerobatic pilot. I've done some aerobatics and gliders and I really enjoy it. But I'd never been in a, and I've only done aerobatics in ASK 21 and uh, and an owl that our club owns, um, and a few single seat gliders. But I'd never done it in anything like the Fox. So it was it was really intense and really fun. And of course, flying over Dillingham Glider you know, Air, Airport in Hawaii with the uh, mountains on one side and the ocean on the other side, and humpback whales out in the water. It was just the most beautiful. Um, what an exhilarating, amazing flight. Um, and he just took the thing up and just, we were doing, we were flipping all over the place. And just by the end of the flight, my stomach was, I almost, almost tossed my cookies, but I didn't quite, didn't quite do it. I, I survived and, and I had a fantastic time and really enjoyed uh, James, flying with James was just so much fun. Just a great, great guy. So do they do a lot of ridge soaring then right there along the water? Or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the day that I was there, there was a kind of a cloud cover, um, not directly over the airport, but just between the airport and the mountain, which is right next to the airport. There was kind of, uh, I think the wind was coming in and, and causing some clouds to form there and uh, made it difficult to get too close to the mountain or to the ridge there. But um, there was enough wind that we could sustain. We could have stayed up for hours if we wanted to without any problems. So we did, we do some aerobatics and then um, look for some ridge lift and climb back up again. And it was, it was very, very enjoyable flight. Oh, that'd have been very beautiful for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What do you find most enjoyable about soaring? Well, that's a good question. Um, I guess I've always been kind of a techno nerd. Um, and I studied mechanical engineering, so I, I enjoy efficient machines, um, and knowing how things work. Um, so to me, soaring was always attractive just from the standpoint of they're just such amazingly efficient machines. So that's cool. So that that makes flying them, uh, I geek out on that, or I, I think that's a cool technical thing to be able to fly something that has a glide ratio of 40 to 1 or so. 
and go long distances is just spectacular. It's, it's, I think the challenge of it is a big part of it, um, that it's not easy. You, you get up and you, you, you have to use your knowledge and experience to find where the lift is going to be. And the more you fly, the easier that gets. And there's a, certainly a beauty to it, an aesthetic quality of flying sailplanes, just the, uh, I don't know, you know, diving into a thermal that you feel like a hawk or an eagle and you're climbing up and then you're, you're going at high speed and at times you'll, you'll go between thermals at, at, you know, 60, 80, 100 miles an hour, which is just amazing that you can do that in a, an airplane without an engine. So I enjoy that a lot. And the, you know, the reward from doing a long flight is, is fun or the reward from sharing the exhilaration of cross country flying with somebody else. This, this last summer I was fortunate the uh, DG-1000 that I that I want to share I was available uh, for the entire contest. There was the 20-meter nationals contest at Albert Lee, Minnesota. And so I arranged to have the glider and have some friends from our local soaring club fly with me. So I had, out of the six-day or seven-day contest, I had three or four people there went fly with me. And we weren't able to fly every day of the contest, but all four people that signed up got to fly with me for one day of the contest. And... Um, all of them were relatively new to, to cross-country soaring anyway. And just sharing the fun of, a, of racing cross-country in a sailplane was really enjoyable. I mean, they were all great great pilots and fun to fly with. But seeing the excitement in them as, you know, we would do a 200-mile task. And, and, of course, the, the exhilaration of getting on the final glide and, and, and racing home at high speed and being able to make it to an airport that you can just barely see on the horizon is, is just, it's exhilarating. It's, it's rewarding and fun. I haven't actually done any racing yet, but it seems like it's, it's going to be an absolute blast when I do get that far. You've owned quite a few sailplanes flying something like the 233, which a lot of us start out in and mm-hmm. flying, you know, obviously the high performance gliders. What did, what did you find most interesting as you transitioned into a higher performance glider as you gradually go up? Well, I'd have to say that the um, learning to fly in a Blanick and a 233, people that have experience only in a glider of that level of performance think that it really doesn't matter what sailplane you use to go cross-country, and they almost look at you like you're cheating if you use a higher performance sailplane to go cross-country. But, you know, as I mentioned, uh, being an engineer, the the I've always been attracted to sailplanes that are very uh, sleek and elegant and aerodynamic, you know, the... Uh, fiberglass and carbon fiber uh, and long thin wings of a high performance sailplane are, are very attractive to me and so when i got my first chance to go cross country and and i mean even the schweitzer 135c that i had was was a lot thinner wings and and higher glide speeds than other gliders i'd flown I was surprised at how much of a difference it makes and how much easier it was to go cross country it's not just a matter of the glide ratio but that glide ratio and gliding at a higher speed makes it easier to make it to that next thermal and get there before the, the thermal goes away. You know, the thermals have a life cycle. And if, if you see a, a cloud that's 10 miles away and you may get there and it's completely gone, but with a higher performance sailplane, it's a lot easier to get there before it dissipates and easier to make, you, you have a lot more statistically, a lot more chance of finding a good thermal because you can cover a lot more ground because you've got a higher glide ratio. So uh, I'm a fan of high performance gliders. I mean, I, I've never flown in, in, in a super ultra high performance glider, like, um, the, uh, kind of the hot, I would say probably the hottest ship in the world right now would probably be a, the Binder is a company in Germany that makes 
EB29 and EB28 sailplanes, and they're 60 or 70 to 1 glide ratios and, and designed for high wing loadings and flying at high speed. And that would be kind of neat. Um, there's something beautiful about that. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty darn happy flying our, our DD1000 sailplane. You know, it's maybe 45 to 1 or 46 to 1 glide ratio and, and pretty good speeds. I think that's a decent glider. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. So I know you've mentioned, you know, quite a few flights and you've talked about a few flights, but is there one that really stands out? I'd say there's there's two that that were my favorites. Um, the um, I mentioned a few of them already, but the, the the longest flight I had was an 805 kilometer flight with Dick Andrews. We were flying the DG 1000 out of Nephi, Utah, and in the morning at the pilots meeting, gentleman I probably am not pronouncing his name right, Rami Yanitz, I think is his name. Uh, he's a very accomplished long distance cross-country pilot and he at the meeting he said that he thought that the mountain range out to the east of Nephi was going to be really good that day I think it's called the Wasatch range and um, so he said he was going to head out there and Dick and I said yeah that sounds like fun we'll try that so we were just it was not at a soaring contest it was just at a what they call an OLC camp where the goal is just to fly as far as you can and and get points in the online contest so we headed out over to that ridge range that we'd never been to before, and it was a spectacular day. And we headed south for maybe 50 miles and then headed back north up the ridge as far as we could go. Um, to get the free distance points for the online contest, you get a, a limited number of legs that are automatically calculated. It optimizes the, the flight for the maximum distance and then like six legs. So we went as far north as we could and then back south as far as we could. and uh, and then at the end of the day, we went as far west as we could of Nephi. And by the end of the day, we were just blown away that we had done 805 kilometers. We used you know, as much of the day as we could. And it was just a real real feeling of accomplishment. And, and it's such a beautiful place to soar flying over the mountains near Nephi. It's just spectacular. And we ranged from maybe thirteen or 14,000 feet up to about 18,000 feet that day. And the view was was awesome. And and out west of Nephi, the the terrain gets very rugged and very wild-looking, uh, rocky mountains, very colorful rocky mountains or uh, terrain, and so it's very beautiful in a very different way from the flying here in Minnesota. Minnesota's very green and lush usually, and but flat, and out there it's very rocky and almost moon moonscape-like in some areas, and it was very very enjoyable. I guess, and I guess one other memorable flight was. Last year in 2018, when we were there at the Sport Class Nationals. We had one leg where we were flying in that same range, the Wasatch, near the Wasatch Range, and we bumped into a river of lift that was so strong and spectacular. We were actually out in that no man's land out to the west where there was really no place to land, but we were high enough and we knew we could make it to airports back at the base of the range, um, the, the ridge. We were tiptoeing out from under the clouds that we were under, thinking, hey, we've got. 20 miles to go here without any clouds. And we were a little bit nervous about that, but we were at 17,000 feet, I think, when we started. And as we left the clouds, we ran into this river of lift that we the we were cruising at 100 knots, which is the maximum maneuvering speed or rough airspeed of our glider. And we, we were just right staying right at 17,000 feet, going 100 knots all the way for about, I'd say, 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. It was so exhilarating. It was, you know, at times we would actually have to divert out from away from where the lift was. We'd head a little bit to the south or the west, I think it was actually, to get out from under the lift, and then we'd come back in. And 
it was just such a such a rush, so exciting um, to be going that fast in a in an aircraft without an engine. And it was, I have to admit, it was a little scary because it was bumpy and we we're going really fast and we didn't want to go any higher. Um, but it was uh, in the contest, we couldn't go above 17,500 feet or we'd lose points. So we had to be real careful about that. And with that kind of strong lift, it was challenging to stay below that altitude. But it was it was really fun. And because we had that section of our contest flight that was at high speed, we had a pretty good speed that day. I mean, everybody else, a lot of other pilots found that same river of lift on the same day. But so we didn't win the day or anything, but we had, I think, 84 miles an hour around the course that day, which is the fastest I've ever done a, a contest flight. It was it was just a blast. <laughs> it was so much fun. Oh, man. Yeah, that sounds like a great average speed. I mean, it sounds fast. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in aviation in the future? Have you set any personal goals or what do you feel about that? That's a, that's a good question. Um, well, one of one of my goals, I've only done, I think, two flights in my life that were straight downwind dash flights where I, f- I flew the one time from from near here to Chicago, um, the Chicago Glider Club. And I enjoyed that a lot, but it's it's a lot of work. I mean, getting a friend to crew for you and drive your trailer you know, five or six hours to come and pick you up is, is not easy. Um, but there is a, a real feeling of accomplishment and adventure in doing that, not knowing exactly where you're going to end up. So one of our goals here locally with the, some of us that fly the DG-1000, we have a goal to do a thousand kilometer flight out of Minnesota. We've, I've never done a thousand kilometer flight at all, but, and I think it's, it's going to take a lot of luck. You have to find the exactly the right weather day to be able to get a stretch of weather. That's a thousand kilometers long, but I think that it is possible from Minnesota. So that, that would be our goal to fly from Minnesota to say Ohio or Kentucky or or somewhere in the Southern U S would be a lot of fun. That's kind of a, a dream goal. But other than that, just I enjoy flying in cross-country camps. We have a cross-country camp here in the Minnesota Soaring Club every year. I really enjoy flying. And when that, sharing cross-country soaring with new cross-country pilots um, and, and and just continuing to go to soaring contests. Paul, I wanted to ask you about an endeavor that you've kind of taken on and created, uh, Cumulus Soaring. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I started the company about in about 2003 and gradually started built it up over time. Um, my goal was to be able to sell soaring instruments and other soaring products, but my being a kind of a techno nerd person, my experience before starting the company was in the industrial automation industry and where I worked with a lot of uh, automated controls for manufacturing processes and things like that. So I, I had a lot of experience with technology and electronics. I studied mechanical engineering, but most of my experience in my job was in with electronics, electronic controls and things like that. So I, my goal has been with cumulus soaring has been to not just sell soaring instruments, but do my best to try and excel in supporting them really well. My goal is to be the guy that people want to buy their soaring instruments from because I'll give them advice, the best advice on what instrument is the best for them. And also I'll help them get the instrument set up. I'll help them update it every year. I'll, I can calibrate it for them. If they have a technical question, I play with them. I know the products inside and out so I can answer their technical questions. And that's, I guess that's my, my ultimate goal is to be really good at helping people get the most out of their soaring instruments and also trying to be a you know, friendly, supportive voice on the phone if they have questions. Uh, in recent years, I've really been working hard on 
using uh, creating a lot of soaring product training videos, which has been something that, I mean, the, again, same with the same end goal. I want customers to be able to use their instruments well. And rather than having to call me and ask me uh, the same questions over and over again, they can pull up a video and watch the video to learn how to use their, their Navitor OD or their LXNAB, LX9000 or their variometer or, or what have you. Um, so over the last about 10 years, I've created a, more than 100 videos. In the last year, I think I've done about 15 new videos in 2019. And for a while, I made them available for free. In recent years, I've started charging for access to those videos so they can be rented. Individual videos can be rented for, I think it's $9.95. $9 you can rent a video for 30 days. But the most recent thing is I've put them up on the Patreon website. So if customers think there's value there, they can rent for $9.95 a month. They can get access to all 100 plus training videos. And also they get discounts on pur purchases from my company. And also they get one hour of free technical support for the year. So I try to make it a really a win-win thing where I'm helping them use their instruments. I'm making training videos available to them. But then that that it's $9.95 a month for them to sign up for that. They can drop that at any time, but that way they're helping me kind of keep things going and, and helping me be able to afford to make more videos and, and create more useful things, hopefully, for customers. So I guess that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I became the DG dealer about two years ago, just under two years ago. And that's been fun since I've had so many wonderful and amazing experiences in our DG1000 sailplane. I'm very proud to be the DG dealer for the U.S. Um, and lately they've got some exciting new products, the DG1000 an FES, the front front engine sustainer, front electric sustainer is what FES stands for. And the um, so there's a new version. It's a first two seat sailplane that has a an electric motor in the nose. That and that's their the first prototype we'll be flying uh, in a few weeks. And then there's also an LS8E with FES, an electric motor in the nose as well. Um, they're not self-launching sailplanes, but the electric motor can be started to make it back home at the end of the day if the lift quits or if you get low and you want to be able to make it to a nearby airport. So those are exciting new DG products and LS products. Yeah, always nice to have that extra insurance when you're trying to get back home, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd have to say that I, I've been very fortunate. I, I really enjoy my job. I love the customers that I work with. I mean, I love sail, I love flying sailplanes. I love talking about soaring. I love I mean, I have to admit, in the winter months when I can't fly gliders here in Minnesota, sometimes it's frustrating because I'll be talking to customers in Florida or or South America that are off on soaring adventures, and I'm helping them get their instruments working and wishing I could be flying myself. But um, but it's a job that I enjoy, so I, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that regard. I'm I'm certainly not getting rich. Um, it's been a struggle to run a business in this industry. It's a, it's a very niche market, but I, I really enjoy what I do. It's definitely a niche market. I personally appreciate your cumulus soaring news that you throw up on facebook oh, there's thanks. a lot a lot of cool stories you've shared and that i didn't know anything about if you wouldn't have shared it so thanks for doing that yeah that that's kind of fun i mean i, I follow a lot of different soaring news sites and facebook sites and i share those up to soaring news so if, if people haven't heard of it it's just if you search facebook for soaring news by paul remdy of cumulus soaring is what the the full name is and uh, I share a lot of videos that people post about soaring adventures or 
news about new products or instruments and things like that. And it's not just about stuff I sell. It's it's about everything. I mean, I I'm a, I'm a fan of Schempurth gliders and Schleicher gliders and and Binder gliders and and you name it. So if something new comes out, I I, sh- I share that on the Soaring news page. Yeah, and Soaring is a very niche market. So it's it's always good to see those extra posts that people are putting up. You know, that's part of the reason I started the podcast is because there just wasn't much out there. So whatever we can do, you know, to get more people involved in the soaring community is great. Yeah, yeah, totally. I I really enjoyed your your soaring uh, podcast. It's been fun listening to different soaring pilots from around the country and around the world, seeing how they enjoy soaring. Some really cool people out there with some really great stories. It's it's it, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Over all your years of flying gliders, being in the air, if you could give someone some advice that you've picked up along the way to be a better and safer pilot, what would that be? Well, that's a that's a really good question. The um, certainly one thing that I strive to do is to fly more um, because I think. There are certainly in any in any hobby, there are people that don't do it very often. And sail place, flying sailplanes is certainly one of those things where people come out to the glider port once or twice a year. I don't think they're going to be as safe of a pilot as they would be if they flew 10 or 20 times a year. Um, so so keep at it. Come down to the glider port and get up in a glider every now and then and go have some fun. That certainly will enhance your safety. Um, you know, being a techno nerd that I am, I'm I'm a fan of technology to help make flying safer. I mean, I... Since we fly our glider in soaring contests, I use uh, FLARM, which is a traffic alert system in the glider so that all the other gliders in the contest have FLARM so I can see them on my my moving map display in the glider and I can keep an eye out for them. I, I do find that that really enhances soaring in two ways. It makes it safer because I can see where other gliders are before they're a threat. And also it'll beep at me if, if a glider is coming right at me. But also it, it enhances soaring because in a fun way because I can see gliders that are 10 miles out in front of me. And if I see three gliders and I see them on the moving map that they're circling because I'm receiving their FLARM information over the radio waves and that's displaying on my LX9000, that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty powerful information to be able to see where the next thermal is out ahead. And because everybody that's flying in that environment has the same information, it's not cheating. It's just fun. It adds to the fun. So I, I, I think I do. I, I'm a, like I say, I'm a fan of FLARM and other any anything that enhances safety and information in the air is good. Absolutely, some great advice, and always good to have those extra pieces of equipment to give you, you know, to let you be more safe. Very important stuff. Paul, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. It's been good to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's, it's been a real pleasure. It's been good good talking with you. Good talking to you. And like I said, thanks again. Thanks for joining us and helping this podcast spread the word about Soren. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for everything you do as well. And thank you for joining us here on the podcast for another great guest. If this is your first time listening, thank you for checking us out. We hope you continue to join us each week for a brand new episode when we talk with a new guest pilot sharing a new soaring adventure. Always a lot of fun here on the podcast. To see some of our previous guests and the gliders they fly and also how to get in touch with us, Michelle has all that information for you. On Facebook, it's Soaring the Sky Podcast. On Instagram, it's the same. If you would like to say hi, just drop Chuck a line at chuck at soaringthesky.com. Or you can send us a note on the website. That's soaringthesky.com. Also, if you're a pilot, we want to hear your story. 
Just send us an email and Chuck will get in touch with you. We hope you join us next week for another great guest and adventure on Soaring the Sky.